Were not ten men cleansed? Ten total men cleansed. And only one returned to say thank you. And that then was a Samaritan. I've been reading this week in Arthur Gordon's classic book, Wonder. He is a man who was a reporter at one time, wrote for a lot of different books and papers and journals and magazines, wrote for guideposts also, and... uh, The Joy of Wonder was a fantastic book that sold many copies and just makes you fall in love with life all over again. And this book was opening me up to the joy of being alive in every single moment. Now, in the midst of reading this book, and I think one of the reasons I was able to start reading it, it was only five pages a chapter or less. And I would have a few minutes here and there while on the bus route to attend to this book. And so that's why I started reading it. I've had it in my possession a long time. Well, the other day, I was uh, finishing up the route in the afternoon. For some reason, instead of turning left out of Farley Elementary, I turned right. And I said, well, I must be having some reason to go this way, and I don't know what it is. But as I went down the Husband's Road, I crossed over the railroad track there. And if you're familiar with that part of Paducah, you know I'm headed towards Bridge Street and then towards uh, the south side uh, Belt Line. But as I um, was nearing the end of uh, Husband Road, there's a railroad track. And a railroad track, I'm so used to slowing down and stopping in a bus that it was no different in my van. So I'm slowing down and I get to the track and I'm looking both ways and I look off to the, to the left and it's usually there if you look. There's, there's a train sitting there and the first engine is yellow. And there it was sitting there and as I looked at it, a thought struck me. And the thought was, you know, that reminds me of a puzzle I used to work as a kid of a yellow train engine and it was one of my favorite jigsaw puzzles to work. And so it took me back to a younger time. I saw a yellow train on a track, almost identical to the picture in the puzzle that I worked all the time as a kid. And I said, that's interesting. Thank you, God. That was pretty neat. And I put it out of my mind. For a couple days. You see, I drive preschoolers. Preschoolers are anywhere from age 3 to kindergarten, right? And they're in kindergarten, they don't ride my bus anymore. But these little fellas, boys and girls, are riding the bus, and everything is exciting because it's all new. If we go up over a little hill on the levee, they call it a roller coaster, and they all scream and shout. If they see a body of water, they all scream, Water! (laughs) And 22 little kids screaming water at the same time, you know they saw it. This one little boy we pick up is over on the south side and we turn down uh, off of the belt line and then make another turn toward the corner where we pick him up and we do it on a regular basis. 
This particular morning, he's getting out of his car, and the monitor on the bus tells the kids to look across the track where near, near his house. His house is next to the railroad track there, and the train's going by. And, and, she, and she said to them, Look, boys and girls, a train! I'm going, it's a train. And they got excited. They, they jump up as much as they could, spin toward the train, and they start going, wow, wow, wow. And the little boy who's getting on the bus, who lives 25 feet from the train track, is getting on the bus, and I said, hey, did you see the train? He goes, yeah, I see him all the time. <laughs> Here's everybody out shouting, and they get on the bus, and they're going, hey, I like the train. He goes, yeah, I know. They're excited. He's not. What's the difference? It's the commonplace that we're familiar with that we lose when we see it all the time. We lose those moments where someone who's seen it the first time sees it and goes, wow, that's neat. That's amazing. We lose that with familiarity. But in this moment, God showed up. Now you say, well, well, how did God show up just because the train went by and these little kids are excited? Well, something in them called out to the little kid in me. Still there, still filled with joy, wonder, and excitement. And I went, I remember the first train I saw and how excited I was. And I said, why did I stop being excited? And I said, I don't know. I love trains. And I went, it is a train! It's a cool train! And I started getting excited with the kids and, and they're going, that's normal. Not normal for an adult would think, but a child thought that was normal behavior for a person who's seen a train. We lose our normal in a commonplace. It becomes common and we become faded into the woodwork like life does. See, I was taking life for granted. Looking at moments as something to endure, get through to get to the next one. Not a moment to live every single moment for God. So in that moment, I became thankful for the train and the one I saw earlier in the week on sitting on the track and I remembered the joy the trains bring. My wife will tell you that when there's a train and especially the one, is it number 51 downtown at Paducah? If my sons were little and they wanted to climb on it, my wife has pictures of me climbing up that train rolling all the top of it. I did it with him. It was fun. I could, you know, I'm just doing this to show them how it's supposed to be done. Oh. Yeah. But no, actually, we were doing it together and enjoying it the same. Why? Because when something brings you joy, shouldn't you experience it with all that you are? If something in your life makes you connect on a level that says, I like this, wouldn't it be okay to say, I like this? Or do we got to shut it down because it's not appropriate for a 50-year-old man to be running on the top of a train going, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> well, is it appropriate or not? Yep. It depends on who's watching, doesn't it? <laughs> well, God was watching and He said, it's all right. I gave you that moment. Enjoy it. So that day, when those children jumped for joy at the train, something in me joined them. Something I had forgotten was still there.
Now, I, I say that to you because I became thankful for trains. In our story today, we have ten lepers. And they are, shall we say, outcasts. But we have one, as you see the story, that's a double outcast. He is a Samaritan and a leper. Now Jesus, as it says, is in the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, Samaria is... the Samaritans. Galilee? Galileans, eh? They're okay. Samaritans, not so much. But there are ten... As he was going to Jerusalem, and as he entered that village, those ten had to stand far off. This is what they had to do. I'll give you a real quick rundown. If they are lepers, and they were, they had to stand back, hold their hands up and say, unclean, 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 unclean. Which meant, you can't come near us, we're contagious. Lepers were ostracized from society because they were considered... Uh, unclean, no less, because I shouted that, but also because you get near him, you catch it. So you couldn't touch a leper. Couldn't get near him. And so, that was one of those sections of society that was considered um, unapproachable. For many different reasons. Just like when our academic, uh, academic, Epidemic of AIDS began. People were just scared. Oh, I can't touch them, you know, and all this other stuff because we just didn't know. But it's the same kind of attitude towards lepers. And they see it's Jesus. And this time they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, in this 13th verse where it says, and they lifted up their voices and said, It's because when someone comes here, they say, unclean, unclean. But when they're just swarming together and nobody's nearby, they don't have to say much until someone comes close. But they saw Jesus at a distance. It says that these men met Him, but stood at a distance from Jesus. You understand, they weren't just on the outside of the city. They saw Jesus coming and they, as one... All ten walked together to see Jesus and then stood at appropriate distance and said, have mercy on us. In other words, they know who Jesus is and they want mercy. And Jesus, when He saw them, He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, the priests are the ones who pronounce whether someone's clean or not. The priest is inside the city walls where they were not allowed to go. But they were outside the city and Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. He doesn't say, you're clean. You're healed. He just says, go show yourself to the priests. And so, they go. And it was, as it says, as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, 10%, when he saw he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. <coughs> Excuse me. Glorifying God, not Jesus, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But he returned and glorifying God. Thank you, God. I'm healed. I'm healed. He's running. But he stopped going toward the temple in the city 
And he's running toward Jesus. And he falls down on his face at Jesus' feet and says, Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! This man, being a Samaritan, a non-Jew, was thanking a Jew. Jesus. Now you go, well, of course, He healed him. But the other nine did not. What was wrong with them? Did they just go to the priests? Or did they see they were cleansed and just go about their merry way? We don't know. But we do know this. They did not come back to Jesus. One in ten, ten percent, saw that Jesus was life. That's it. Now, that to me is stunning. Because if someone does something for you that transforms your life, are you going to go back and say, thank you? According to this, one in ten of us would. And we're going, well, that would be me. I'm the one who would be thankful there's nine others in the room that would come with me that wouldn't. Um, are you? We got a litmus test this morning on our gratitude, and I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. But Jesus says to him, Weren't there ten cleansed? Where's the nine? Was not anybody found to give glory to God? Think of this real quick. Don't, don't miss this. He says, they came to give glory to God. These guys, on the way to the temple, were getting their life back. I get to go to work. I get to see my family. I get to do this. I get to do that. I'm excited about that. Alright, let's go have life again. But this one guy goes, you know, I get to see my family again. And I do get my life back. And I shouldn't have been healed, but I was with these other guys. Mm-hmm. And so I got the residual blessing, if you know what I mean, of the Galileans upon me. And yes, I can go see my family now. And I can be pronounced clean by the priests. But it's because of Him. Yes, I'm getting what I need for my life and what I want. But I'm getting it from Him. And I can show the priests later. But I don't know where He's going to be there. And God did this. Not the priest. God did this. And God did it and considered me. Not, of course God healed me, healed everybody else, therefore I'm entitled. But He healed me, and I'm going to go thank God and the one God used and thank Him for this. It is right for me to give thanks for this. Would you not agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Of course. If you were immediately healed of something that afflicted you for years, of course you would say thank you. And maybe even seek out the source of who did it. And so he went back to Jesus as a Samaritan, still unclean, falls at his feet on his face, says thank you. And Jesus then doesn't say, Go to the priests. Go to the priests. 
That's what you needed to go to the priest. You've come to me, I told you to go to the priest. Is that what Jesus said? No. He said, arise and go your way. Your faith made you well. What about the other nine? Did their faith make them well? Were they just as sick and ungrateful as they were the moment they got cleansed? Why did they not You said thanks in the moment when their lives changed? I have some reasons. Don't be surprised if some of them are yours. Gratitude changes how you look at the world if the gift is received with the intent and the way that it was intended to be received. There are five things that gratitude does for us that I have for you this morning. And the first one is this. That gratitude removes expectations. And it adds joy. When you do not expect somebody to act a certain way, you can love them as they are. And you can be thankful for them that way. You might say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, how often is it that people say, you need to act better to people. And then people don't necessarily accept someone like that as readily. Because they act differently. Or they act inappropriately. Or in school, which children get sent to the office the most? It's the ones who have the most troubled home life. And so they get in trouble at school too. But what would happen if there were no expectations of a child to act that way because they had a bad home life, but the expectation for that child was that they needed more love at school? I'm just saying this as an example. There are other ways. If you expect someone to act a certain way, and if not, you're going to retreat them a different way because they didn't do what you measured up in your mind they should do, there's a problem. You can either love people as they are and be thankful for them. Or you'll be critical and bitter. But gratitude says when you're thankful for someone in your life, you don't expect them to be some way. You love them as they are. You may encourage and help them and see them and try and help them change as they're ready, but you love them without expectation of any of it. That's difficult. Because we're not grateful for certain people in our lives. They can be like sandpaper. This leper got healing as a spillover. Or did he get it because Jesus loved him too? Scripture says God reigns on the just and the unjust. This man received healing reign. Jesus did not expect this man to act a certain way to get the healing. And this man did not expect Jesus to heal him. But whatever Jesus was going to do that was merciful, that's all they asked for was mercy. Now, we know that by mercy a leper might mean healing. But did you know when they called out for mercy, it simply meant clothe us, feed us, love us in any way that you can. In ways we don't deserve. 
No expectation on how Jesus was to love them. And Jesus had no expectation on how they would receive His love in return. Both remained thankful. The one healed and the one who healed. So gratitude removes expectations. The second thing it does is it restores the spontaneity of life. Life becomes joyously unpredictable when you're thankful for it as it is. And you go, well, you, you know, I'm just having a bad day and I just can't handle it. It's just tough and everything's just messing up. You ever had a day like that? Yes. We all have, haven't we? Things just don't work out. Aches, pains, uh, nosy neighbors, whatever. Phone call, bad news, destruction of uh, property, anything that can happen can mess up a day. But it's unpredictable. You don't know when this stuff's going to happen. I don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow and have a great day, a bad day, a good day, or a medium day. I have no idea. But, if you're thankful for the day, regardless of what happens, then all this stuff is just spontaneous. You're not being picked on. The day isn't mad at you. God's not mad at you either. It's a Samaritan that comes back to praise Jesus. That's the surprise in the story. That's spontaneous praise from a man who wasn't considered a part of the Jewish heritage. Or blessing. Because they were not of the lineage. But he comes back, praises Jesus. An outcast receives God's grace and then worships God. I don't know who else he had consulted in the past, but none of them worked. And here's what he thought, or so I believe. When life is spontaneous, we go, God, you even included me in this moment. You included even me. I sometimes have a moment or two when I'm going, this day's just not working out. Can I just start over, God? But this week, because of train and some other things that have happened, as a situation was uncomfortable, came up, I'm going, I just don't know. And he said, would you rather have the alternative? I said, yes, I'd rather not have this situation. He goes, no, the alternative is death. Are you glad to be alive so you can experience this moment and see it? And are you thankful for it in the sense that it's not your moment, it's mine, says God. I gave it to you. You're not responsible for what happens in this moment. You're responsible to me and who you are to me. And so, whenever now this craziness happens in life, it's the best way to describe it, I think, I say, God, thank you. Thank you because right now I'm a little upset, but I get to be upset. I'm honored that I get to be upset and frustrated right now because I'm alive to do that. I'm experiencing all the things in life that a person can experience. And this is some of it. I said it like this. Apparently there's a day for people to have a bad morning and this is mine. I'm going to enjoy it. And my sense of humor came back. Spontaneity brings back the joy too. The third thing that gratitude does is it acknowledges the source. By the source, I mean God. There is no other. Our help and our life 
our strength and length of our days, every second we're given and every breath we take is a gift from God alone. Do you know that? God, but you don't understand. I'm just having such a tough time. You know, this isn't such a gift and God's going, then you don't believe I've given it to you. I didn't want it. (laughs) You ever said, I didn't want this one, God. You didn't have, it's not a good gift. But gratitude rearranges the correct order of the universe for you. You begin to see where you belong in it. And here's the simple thing. You're not God. God saw fit to you that you had that moment. He doesn't do it spontaneously. He does it for a reason. We experience it spontaneously, but God does nothing spontaneously ever. And that's a good thing. You are not God. Oh, I'm not either. I didn't think you had any question on that. And I'm glad that you know you're not God. But in moments when you don't acknowledge the source of every single moment of your life, you're not acknowledging God. Acknowledge the source. The fourth thing gratitude does is it removes ownership. Oh, I don't know what that means. Well, here's the equation, alright? I own this. I own that. They own this. They own that. And therefore, this is mine. And that's not mine. This is mine. And that's theirs. And this being mine is not theirs. And that being theirs is not mine. Now, we think this is good boundaries and good fences make good neighbors and uh, people who respect those things don't covet or steal or murder, things like that. However, when you remove ownership from the equation, you realize one thing that's true. You own nothing. (laughs) I don't know how, how we can even think we own it. We didn't make it. We inherited our life in this place. We didn't build any of it. Well, that's my car. Did you own it before it was made? Or or is it yours because you put some cash on it and there's a transaction and a title, therefore man says you own it, therefore you own it. Or does God say it's yours? How's that work for you? Job says in chapter 1, verse 21. I got it on the screen for you. I think you'll like this. He's talking about how he's had some trouble real quick, some bad stuff happened. And he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I came with nothing. I leave with nothing. How can I say I own it if I can't take it with me? Who does it really belong to? You understand, if you think you own something, then when it's gone, you think you lost it. It's not yours. You're enjoying it. Thanking God of the item or person or situation as a gift. As a moment. Always temporary until the new life. And so what we say when we lose the ownership from our lives is this. I didn't do this. And if God hadn't, it wouldn't be here. It's also part of acknowledging the source, isn't it? You understand what that man did when he was healed? He said, I was sick, 
but it wasn't my sickness. I had leprosy. I'm not a leper. Do you see the difference? I am a man, but I am God's child. I have a car, but God gave it. Oh, but I worked hard for it. You didn't work hard for it. You paid money for it. The car wouldn't have come to you had you not paid money for it. And if you worked hard, it doesn't mean you're going to get the car. God provided it. And if you go, no, it's all about what I worked hard for, you still don't get it. You are not God. God provides for you. And if you think, no, you don't understand, I work hard. If God didn't allow you to have it, you wouldn't get it. Truly. If God didn't let us have this moment together right now, it wouldn't be happening. It's God's moment. It's God's world. It belongs to Him. And so do I. I'm a possession. Oh no, I'm my own man. No, I'm God's child. I'm His man. I don't own me. God does. And if God doesn't own me, I'm in trouble. And I need to know that every single moment. I had another blessing this week. This was on uh, Friday. This time it was a bunch of 7th graders. Well behaved 7th graders. And I think it's because they had to speak in Spanish most of the time. I had to drive a field trip for Spanish class 7th grade. We went to a restaurant on Southside and we all sat down to eat and they had to talk Spanish to the waitress, to the teacher, and I knew a little Spanish and then I used some English as well. We were having a great time. And uh, and I said, and they were saying to each other, gracias, you know, and, and some of the kids would respond, de nada, and the teacher would say, don't say that. Don't say de nada, that's not appropriate. And I said, in my head, I said, What? That's what we say in Spanish. De nada means you're welcome. And I said, De nada, does that not mean you're welcome? He said, No. It does not mean you're welcome. It means it's nothing. It's nothing. Don't think anything of it. It's nothing to me. So if you work hard for something and somebody says thank you and you go, it's nothing to me. It better be something to you, right? So he told them a different phrase, which I want to share with you this morning, still in Spanish, called mucho gusto. I know you probably go, well, that was fast. You spoke like a Spaniard or a quick-speaking Mexican. Cone, like ice cream. Cone, mucho, like macho, but mucho. Gusto, like with gusto. Con mucho gusto. And I said, okay, I think I know what that means, but you tell me. He said, with great affection. With much gusto. Thank you. With much gusto, you're welcome to it. With all I am, you can have it. You're welcome to it. Free and clear because of the joy I have in giving it. With much 
of me I give. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The young man, the leper, comes and gets healed and he says, thank you. And Jesus goes, oh, it's nothing. No, he did not. He said, your faith has made you well. Go your way. You have received from God much. You don't need a praise. You need God. And you found Him. It isn't nothing unless what you did was. Unless what God did was to you. So if you're sitting there doing your devotion and you're thinking about all these things that you got to do and your mind's spinning around, God, I just can't focus in. But thank you for this moment. And God's going to go, Really? You're thinking about everything but me right now. Why don't you pick a better time? Or put more into this moment. Where's your gratitude? Here's the last thing that gratitude does. It moves us from a sense of entitlement to true humility. God gives because He gives. Not because we earn it. Not because we deserve it. He does it because He does that. And we can come bowing in thanksgiving like this. That you've given me this moment. Even this moment for me in the mornings... My mind's thinking about 20 different things i got to do that day instead of trying to be with God. And I'm going, okay, God, all these things are in my head. I want you there. But thank you for this moment. That you meet me. God of all creation meets me in this moment. Every moment overwhelms me. The leper the same. You did this for me. I don't know why. I'll tell you why. Because God is love. And God doesn't throw, here's some love for you. God says, I am love. I'm giving you me in this moment to share with you myself. Jesus saw this man acknowledge that that moment of healing came through Him from God. He acknowledged that. And so when the young man, I say, I don't know how old the leper was, but I'm sure he wasn't very old. They don't live long in those days. And he says, thank you. And Jesus says, He knows. He gets it. Most of us are so busy thinking about what we're going to do next, we can't even be in service sometimes. Because we feel entitled that we're here. I hope you don't feel entitled to be here, but welcome in the presence of God. Oh, I deserve it, God, because, you know, I want to go to church. God welcomes you here. It's about God. We keep focusing on ourselves and our lives instead of God. And God's trying to say, you're losing your gratitude. One in ten get it. 
This morning I want to change those odds to 10 and 10 for us. That we get it. Hmm. You know, I wasn't planning on saying this. It just occurred to me. (laughs) These things happen. Mm -hmm. 20 was about the number of priests who was on the bus. Mm -hmm. Looking at the train. 20. And there, I couldn't miss the excitement. Here's what most bus drivers do when the kids get too noisy. I don't tell you. It's too loud. Inside voices, please. I can't drive and think when you're that loud. And here's the bus driver that day going, It's a train! <laughs> because God said, Let the children lead you to places of joy and gratitude. Because they know how to be thankful. They don't have any what we call it adult filters. It's totally spontaneous how they do it. And this is the most wonderful thing. Every child getting off the bus during drop off in preschool hears from every other kid or most every other kid. They'll say that person they they'll say, for instance, bye Fred, love you, see you tomorrow, Fred, love you, bye. You're my friend, Fred. And that's kind of what they'll say. They can't filter out that maybe the Fred might take that love the wrong way. Or or an adult might see that and think, oh, that's another child, you know, that's that's gonna be bad. All they know is that's their friend and they love them. They don't know how love goes without saying it. And so they're thankful for everybody on the bus. And they hug each other. Thank you for every get off the bus you gotta hug everybody. <laughs> kind of like our greeting song on the bus. But I say this because when we lose the joy and spontaneity of life, we lose our gratitude. And when we lose our gratitude, we think we matter more than God. Mm-hmm. And what we want is more important than what God wants or what's better for the person next to us. And we lose sight of the broken people and the lepers. And let me tell you something. Leprosy was a skin disease. Mm-hmm. The body parts you know, just decay. It was visible. Visible. Mm-hmm. We've learned to let our decay stay hidden. I hope this morning you begin to let God heal those broken places. Those places where you're not so thankful for. And come humbly before the throne on grace and mercy. God's grace and mercy on His terms. And that you're thankful for it however it may happen. The only thing I can tell you is the only thing you need to say to God this morning is thank you. Thank you from a pure heart. Thank you, God. And you know what God's going to say? Con mucho gusto. <laughs> I give you myself. I give you all that I am. Oh, you, you don't know that?
I give you all that I am. Mm-hmm. The night of Christ was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people see this as a very painful act on Jesus' part, but on him, it was a you're welcome. What did he do? He broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat as often as you will. Do this remembering me. When you do it remembering him, you say, thank you. He did it for us because we could not do it for ourselves. He is God. And when he took the cup, It's easy enough to break off a piece of the body. But when you pour out the lifeblood, it's dead. He's going all the way. It's my blood. Not some of it. All of it. Poured out for you and made for the forgiveness of sin. It's a new covenant. It's a covenant where I say you're welcome before you ever say thank you. And what do we say about the table? All What can we say but thank you? Can you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would pour out your Spirit upon us gathered here yet again. Glorify your holy name. And pour out your Spirit upon the fruit of the grape and this bread that it would be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That we would be the body of Christ to the world around us. Showing them that there is another way. A better way. A highway. God's way. Lord Jesus, I ask this morning that you receive us as we are, even as you said you already do, and lift us up into places where we never thought we could access. That our gratitude and thankfulness and humility would truly be directed toward you. Amen.